Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. As you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health, freedom. In that light, I'm always interviewing entrepreneurs, people doing things on the cutting edge, moving the needle. So today we have a business finance expert, uh, Bo Eckstein. He is the founder and CEO of Emerge Lending Group. And so today's talking, today's talk is going to be all about uh, business financing, SBA loans, all the different options. So I think this is going to be a great conversation for all those um, entrepreneurs looking to access capital. So Bo, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I always like talking about financing. Yeah. And it, go, yeah. it goes hand in hand with um, financial freedom, right? We need the leverage to get us out of the rat race. So that's that's what I help people do. Exactly. And, um, you know, we connected through Podmatch and um, you have a really interesting background. Tell us how you got to uh, found Emerge Lending Group. Sure. So um, I was uh, one of the kids that wasn't very good in school. I never opened books, was never really in- interested growing up in, in, in school. And uh, later in life, I became a lifetime learner, which is an interesting story. So when I was growing up, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with it. I graduated high school. I tried to go to junior college and just really wasn't a good student at that time and uh, always had a passion for real estate. So I ended up um, working at 20 years old as a telemarketer for a mortgage company. And then um, I started making all these loan officers a ton of money because I was pretty good on the phone. I didn't mind making cold calls. And then I quickly in Cal, I grew up in California and in California, you needed to have your real estate license to originate residential loans. So I got my, I got my license uh, to originate loans and I became a loan officer doing residential mortgage brokerage. And uh, I did that for many, many years. And then in 2005, I decided to move from California to Nevada because Nevada was a brick and mortar state. And we opened a a mortgage brokerage in Lake Tahoe, right on the lake. And it was awesome. I lived in North Lake Tahoe, where they say that um, this is a part of town where they say the billionaires kick out the millionaires because it's all billionaires in this. Uh, it's called Incline Village, Nevada. So we opened this mortgage company and then I thought I was really smart. So I started buying a lot of properties, right? And this was all 2006 and seven. We know what happened in 2007 and on the West and most of the, the, the nation home prices dropped like 60% throughout Nevada. So I quickly learned that I didn't know much about real estate investing. Basically had to move back to the Bay Area where I grew up. Uh, I was in my 20s at the time and I was about 28. And I I said that was my early midlife crisis because I didn't, right? Like I had, uh, I had to sell a bunch of houses at losses. I had to actually foreclose on a few houses all in my 20s. And, and that was a very humbling experience because I thought I was this big real estate tycoon. So I moved back to the Bay Area and I was like, well, what, do I, what am I going to do? I don't have a college education. The mortgage business is gone. Um, we couldn't originate loans. All these new laws were coming in. And just it was just a crazy time, like from 2007 to 2008, 
tons of foreclosures. So I had my real estate license. So I started selling houses and I, and, and I uh, was going to go back into doing residential loans, but I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I happened to run into a friend of mine who was a, he was a um, managing member of a, a private mortgage fund and they would lend money to house flippers. So I actually started originating loans for this fund. And then after a while I said, wow, I, these guys aren't that bright. I can start flipping houses. So, so um, at that time I had no credit, no money. I had, um, you know, creditors chasing me and I said, well, how am I going to flip houses? I don't have money. And, you know, I became a creative finance master at that time because I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to find a money partner. We got hard money and then I'm going to partner with a contractor. So that's what I did. I partnered on all these deals with none of my own money. We started flipping houses, making pretty good money. And then over time, I'm, I, I just evolved. I, people would call me because they needed to fund certain deals. And I just became friendly with all the, all the funds throughout California. And then as I started like doing that, I'd get reached out from, from different developers and so forth. And they needed bank financing and they needed SBA financing. So I self-taught myself and, and I've gone to like a lot of classes on I'm a member of NAGO, which is the National Association of uh, Government Guaranteed Lenders and all that stuff. So basically self-taught myself through taking a lot of classes, right? So somebody that didn't like school back in the day ended up becoming like, to this day, I'm 45 years old and I'm constantly taking classes. But I, I, I found that if, if I was interested in the subject, I was a good student. So, you know, pretty much all my contacts are real estate investors or business owners in all my friends. So I, I'm, I'm talking about people that do $60 million multifamily acquisition. And then, you know, over the last six to eight years, I got more into the commercial space. I taught myself how to originate SBA financing and like creative financing, how to put these structures together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's how I came to be. And basically, uh, real, California real estate broker, Nevada salesperson, mortgage licensed as well. So basically, uh, my background in a nutshell. Yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, story. And um so, uh, you know, we'll start it off, you know, a lot of, um, so you kind of, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they either bootstrap or they find financing. What are some of the easier ways of obtaining um, financing for, for business? So for businesses, um, I mean, most businesses, you're going to utilize SBA financing, right? So you can go out, like, there is 13 million businesses that are owned by boomers right now, and they have no, most of them don't have succession plans, right? So like, there's a huge opportunity. Everybody was real estate, real estate, real estate, but a lot of my friends are business. They're looking to acquire businesses. With the SBA financing, you can get 90% leverage with SBA 7A. So I can go and buy a cash flowing business that's been around for 30 years that uh, you know the seller wants to sell because he's retiring. He doesn't have children that want to run the business. So I come in there and I can arrange the financing. I could put 90% from SBA and SBA doesn't make the loans. They guarantee a portion. The banks and the credit union partners that are approved with the, the program are the ones that actually make the loans. And so um, SBA is really an amazing tool, right? You can get 90% leverage. And here's the best part. You can also, a lot of these sellers, they don't need the, they don't need the money and they don't want to get taxed all on that money. So a lot of times in these business acquisitions, they'll carry back some of the paper. Um, we need a 10% equity injection on this on this business acquisition, assuming the cash flows there and it meets the debt service requirements. But the seller can leave 5% equity in the deal, which is called standby. So I only have to come in on this million dollar business acquisition. I only need 50 grand and I'm buying an income stream of X amount of $100,000 a year, right? 
And that 5% can also be a gift or it could be a potential investor. Anybody that owns less than 20% of the business entity, that's the, the, the new entity group doesn't have to go on the SBA loan. And they, so I'm doing that right now. I'm actually acting as an investor. I'm gonna own 19% of this. Um, it's a kind of a resort type of property by putting up 50, 50-ish thousand dollars, right? And I'm gonna, I don't have to sign a personal guarantee. So there's a, a ton of ways of structuring these deals. And that's what's really exciting about SBA financing. And the, the, the loan, is, these loans are more aggressive, right? Because a big portion of the loan is being guaranteed. So that's why the banks make these loans that they normally wouldn't make. Yeah. And so what, how does, um, how does an SBA loan? So like, you know, people are, you know, fairly familiar with the mortgage, you know, 30, 15 years, 30 years, you know, you know, X amount of interest. How does it work with these, um, these business loans? Sure. So SBA depends, it could be just a straight business acquisition. Okay. So let's just say I'm buying an HVAC company has no real estate with it. That's going to be a 10 year term. Okay, so anything that's a business acquisition with no real estate is going to be 10 years. Now, if there's real estate involved and the real estate component makes up 51% or more of the acquisition price. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm buying a hardware store with real estate and the real estate is valued at 2 million and the business is uh, valued at 500,000. That's going to be a 25 year term. Uh, Business acquisition, 10 years. Now, if the business value is, is greater than the real estate, it's going to be a blended amortization period that's gonna be a, it's just factored by the different bank or whatever so anything that has an amortization over 15 years the loan's gonna have a three-year prepayment penalty any business acquisition loans which are 10 years only have a three-year uh, have no prepayment penalty mm-hmm. so then you have the 504 the 504 loan is good for real estate too and that's that's a fixed rate product typically it's a first and a second um, and then there's, so there's the SBA 7A and then there's the SBA 504. They both have their uses in the, the 504 is really only for hard assets though. The, mm-hmm. the 7A could be, uh, just for a business acquisition. So what the other thing I didn't, I didn't tell you when I'm buying this HVAC company in the total project costs. So I'm buying it for a million dollars. I'm also getting a hundred thousand dollars of working capital and I'm getting three months of, uh, employees compensation built into the total product cost. So I'm buying it for a million. The to- so the total cost is a million three. I'm getting 90% financing on the million three, assuming that the business cash flow is there. Mm-hmm. So you're building in working capital, you're building in all that. So it's really a phenomenal program because you can go into these businesses. I'm actually listening to a great book right now. Um, it's called um, Buy Then Build. And it talks about it talks about why it's easier to, instead of a startup business and, and, and the, the gentleman that wrote the book is like, listen, we out of college, I'm a smart master's degree. We had this great business concept and it failed. And then he took the same model, but he, he bought an existing business and he bolted on the same services and ended up becoming a huge business. And so this book is really, really good. And, and so I think anybody out there that's watching this or listening, like I would say, like right now is like it's a tsunami of an opportunity to buy a business or potentially start like a franchise or so forth. So franchises can also be financed. Those are those are considered startups, but you can get up to 90 percent financing with certain franchise brands. Yeah. And uh, so like, for example, like for um, assuming, you know, like, for example, like uh, H.E.R. or like, you know, uh, any sort of um, uh, website that lists homes where are some web or resources that individuals can look for for businesses on sale yeah so um 
first off, I would say, because I'm going through the book right now, uh, buy, then build. Listen to that because he has a great framework of how to analyze these these businesses, right? Because we got to get a basic understanding of what we're looking for and and how to underwrite the deals. And I think that's a good place to start. And you can get it on Audible if you don't want to read. There's business brokers, right? So business brokers, the same thing with like, when we're looking for multifamily properties, what do we do? We try to make relationships with the brokers that sell in the market that we want to buy that have the pocket listings, right? This is the same thing with business brokers, right? There's these business brokers that have the deals and they want to work with the players, right? So you have to position yourself as a player, even if you're not yet a player, by understanding the game of SBA financing, under, understanding how all this works and how to quickly determine if the business is a viable business for acquisition. So it's the same principles, really. There's There are web, websites like Biz, what is it, Buy Biz. So anyways, there's like three or four different websites that you would go to that you could be, you could look for business at, um, business opportunities. But typically those ones are like, the, that's like the loop net of the world, right? You're not really gonna get your deals there typically. <laughs> you're really gonna make relationships. You're gonna, you're gonna, find the find the business brokers that are doing a lot of deals you're going to you know you're going to talk to people in certain markets it's it's that's how you're going to find the deals just like most people don't go on loop that to buy a multifamily property you're not going to go on these websites i mean you you might want to go on these websites to find the business brokers to start like you know reaching out to and and telling them what you're looking for um, but i find like most people are going direct to the business owners or they're getting referred in and finding these great opportunities yeah. and they're you can really negotiate with these sellers, right? And you can, and you can, and it's almost expected a lot of times that they're going to carry at least a portion of the paper back on these deals. And assuming, you know, finding business brokers, you know, same thing, networking conventions, um, LinkedIn, just uh, word of mouth, your, your networks and referrals um, to find these bro brokers. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all over. You can, you can find them on LinkedIn. You can find them on, these um the websites right they will advertise their listings on websites um but like anything the good listings probably never hit those uh websites right they're the ones that are like hey uh these business brokers have a buyer's list and they're before they they upload them anywhere they're going out to the buyer's list just like in multifamily or any kind of real estate it goes to their buyer's list first because they'd love to you know handle the transaction from the buy and sell side so it's the same thing but i think yeah you got to start, you got to identify like what type of business, like what you're looking for, like, and then just, you know, go after it. But where, where else can you, you know, for less than a hundred thousand dollars, potentially get a $200,000 salary every year. Right. It's, it's, it's an amazing return. I, it's actually probably some of the best returns I've seen if done correctly. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so, you know, we can apply these concepts that you're talking about to, um, you know, with, a lot of people may be interested in either a, a franchise or a rental, short-term rental property. Uh, tell us some of those um, different avenues. So you're not going to really finance. You're not going to finance like a residential STR, short-term rental, right? But you're going to be able to finance a boutique motel. You're going to be able to finance a bed and breakfast potentially with SBA. And so what is, uh, I'm making SBA sound really great, but what are the downsides of SBA? Okay, on the SBA 7A, if there's what's considered a collateral shortfall, let's just say you're doing a business acquisition and there's no collateral, you're, you're buying the business, what we call blue sky or intangible. There's not really anything. There's no hard value, right? It's mm. business value. So there's going to be a collateral shortfall. So the downside of the SBA is, is that 
the SBA guidelines say if there's a collateral shortfall, you have to look for additional collateral from mm -hmm. the borrower. So that could be putting a secondary lien on your primary residence, on a rental property, right? So you just got to be aware of that, that they're going to look for additional collateral. Um, that's like the major downside. The other downside of SBA, if you're like me and have a lot of business en entities and affiliate companies, you need to... You're not, you need three years of tax returns on all those affiliates. They're trying to get away with that because, you know, people, I have a, a gentleman right now and he's got like 23 affiliate companies and it's just, he's just pissed off trying to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, it's, you know, there's no other financing like it out there. I mean, most conventional financing on a, just a business acquisition, they might lend you a 50 to 60% leverage, not 90% leverage. Yeah, interesting. And then, um, you know, it's, it's been a, especially business financing, creative financing. Uh, tell us some tips on how borrowers, sorry, borrowers can be more bankable. So, yeah. So anyway, um, if you're buying an existing business, we need three years of seller's tax returns and a year to date. We need the tax returns to underwrite for SBA guidelines. We need three years of your tax returns, year to date, debt schedule, and a personal financial statement. That's all we need to get the ball rolling. And we can say, hey, does this business cash flow to support the loan amount, the new loan amount that we're looking for? You can also do turnarounds too. So SBA does sort of like, let's just say you're buying an RV park mm -hmm. and it's been mismanaged. If you're a strong borrower, SBA, even if the debt coverage is under, or it's like 1% or maybe a little under one, where normally you're not going to get traditional financing. If we have a good play, meaning, hey, we're going to, you know, the manager's been mismanaged. He lives across the country. We're going to come in. We're going to do 200000 in CapEx. If you have a good plan, you can get those turnaround type of deals. And where else, where can you get 90% of the total project cost? Getting 90% acquisition, 90% of the CapEx to do this type of uh, turnaround project. So um, that's available too. So really it comes down to just um, the, the beginning part of it is, so what I do in the whole mix, let me break that down. I'm like what you call the quarterback. So I get the ball first, right? I, I, I'm the middleman and uh, the borrower or sponsor comes to me and says, hey, I'm looking to do this. I, I ask a couple qualifying questions. You're buying existing business, can we get the tax return? Yeah, we got them already. Okay, we need a financial statement done and this. That gives me enough information. I take it out to my network of banks, non-bank SBA partners, and I say, hey, how do you like this deal? Certain banks overlay, okay? And overlay means like the guidelines say that we could do it a certain way, but the bank's not going to do it there, that way. They're going to, you know, put restrictions on it. They overlay. So certain banks don't like certain asset types. Certain banks only want to do SBA with real estate. Certain banks specialize in just the business acquisition. So what I do well is I know all these bank partners and I just find the right fit. Mm -hmm. And and that's and the, the best part of it all is on SBA financing, I don't charge a fee to the borrower. The banks actually want me because I bring them business, right? So the banks end up paying me a referral fee for this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's like a no-cost, awesome service to offer to people that need SBA financing. Yeah, so because if you go to one bank, this happens all the time. They go to their local bank. Their local bank's not really a... a a good SBA lender. They do SBA, but they're not a top tier SBA lender. They drag their feet. They end up coming back and saying, hey, we could do this deal, but we can only go to 80% of total costs where we could go and maybe get 90% in another bank. So that's what I do. I help facilitate that.
Fascinating. Uh, how can people follow you on social media, contact you, um, and follow you? Sure. So they can go to um, the, you can listen to my podcast. I talk a lot about financing. So uh, it's in, if you go to uh, investorfinancing.tv, that takes you to my YouTube channel. That's investorfinancing.tv. You can go to my uh, invest, you can go to investorfinancingpodcast.com. We'll take you to the website. Um, and you can find all my contact information. I, I have a Calendly link. I'm pretty, pretty easy to get a hold of. If somebody, if you have financing questions or have a deal in process that you're looking to finance, you can go, you can go to bookwithbo.com. You get on my calendar and I meet with you for 15 minutes. Um, and, and we talk all things financing, whether that you're trying to acquire multifamily, assisted living facilities, you're starting a business, pretty much anything investor or business related, I finance. I don't do any consumer loans anymore. I don't do residential owner occupied, but I do portfolios like where people are buying like 30 houses at once, like, or if they're financing short-term rental properties. We also help house flippers to uh, flip properties with bridge financing. Yeah, and uh, thanks so much. Uh, for all the audience out there, um, Bo's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to follow him on um, all the social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. He's also his podcast. Be sure to follow that and uh, check him out. His website, he's got Book with Bo with a 15-minute strategy call to help you with your needs. Uh, and again, Ryan, to the listeners, this is for educational purposes. Um, be sure to check those out. This is not advice. Uh, do your due diligence. And um, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the show. And thanks for a wonderful conversation. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having a, having me here. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. Without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.